welcome to episode 7 of Whiskey Talk from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. I'm Richard Gosselin, editor of the Society's members magazine, Unfiltered. In this episode, I'm starting out at the Society's spiritual home of the vaults in the heart of Leith to find out more about the area's fascinating whiskey history from Society member Justine Hazelhurst. Then I'm heading north to the Highlands for a tour of Tomatin Distillery and winding up with a look around Tamdu in Speyside to find out about that distillery's recent renaissance. First, though, I catch up in the vaults with Society member Justine Hazelhurst to find out more about the area's liquid history and why she decided to set up her whisky-inspired walking tour of Leith. I've got to say it's amazing to walk around these streets, which I feel like I know fairly well, Mm -hmm. but until someone points out what's around you, you basically have no idea what's what's up there. And you need someone to point to, to, to actually you know, guide you and, and mm-hmm. explain mm-hmm. how much whiskey history there is in Leith. I think people are usually in quite a hurry, you know, somebody was saying on the tour that uh, they go to the Sainsbury's all the time just to pick up their sandwiches and then come back, so you're not actually looking for these things, and as you say, until somebody points it out and then, yeah, and then you see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what got you into uh, the whiskey history in Leith? Just moving here, so I moved here quite a while ago, and opposite the flat where I live, there was a derelict bonded warehouse and um, I couldn't actually find any information about this particular uh, warehouse but whilst I was looking into it it led to like 40 and 50 other things that were you know uh, that had happened in 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 Leith uh, in the whiskey industry um, so yeah as you sort of start to scratch the surface and it leads on to so much more information it's fascinating there's, yeah. there's so much that you, you can find out here so. so you've been digging into the archives and doing your own research to, yeah, to yeah. explore the history Probably of the area for about the last six years to be fair but it was only last year that I set up the tours hoping that perhaps other people would share uh, you know my interest so um, and, and, and it's taken off people have fascinated by it Um, but yeah no it was just a hobby really just kind of like trying to find out the the various different sites and landmarks and brands and everything that was linked to Leaf. Give me a sense then of how important whiskey was to Leith or how important Leith was to whiskey, uh, you know, the extent of the business that was, oh, it was going on here. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, as I said, um, whilst we were walking around, there were about 90 bonded warehouses at one point here in Leith. Huge names such as Highland Queen, you know, that was a very well-known brand, um, Crawford's, um, that was one of the best, uh, you know, well-known brands in Scotland before DCL took it over and then concentrated on Johnny Walker. <laughs> and um, so there were... Uh, so there were a lot of the main players here uh, based in Leith and the fact that it was a port um, so um, started off importing wine and brandy and then with the Patterson crash and and phylloxera and all things like this um, you know these these warehouses ended up being um, full of casks of of whiskey maturing so that kind of that kind of took over but the fact that it was a port and it was the biggest importer of grain as well so huge huge role in the the Scotch whiskey industry. Yeah and (laughs) we're we're right in the centre of it obviously with with this building which you know has, has an amazing history of its own and the port is it's just uh, a very short stroll from mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. What, can I paint us a picture of what that would have been like a couple of hundred years ago? Well, it would have been very different yeah, to the way it is now. It would have been so, so busy. Um, so the ships would have been coming in 
Um, so, so Leith or Scotland had a great ally um, in France. So uh, casks of wine and brandy would have been coming in through the port. Ships would have been sailing out to, to Bordeaux and also to the Netherlands as well. Um, you know, with uh, wool and fur and you know that, those kind of exchanges. So this would have been. I mean, this was a hugely busy port. Um, the area Timberbush actually comes from. So the word comes from the French word bourse, which means market. So it was um, a hugely busy place. There was the timber market, with shipbuilding, uh, and then later on with coopering for um, you know so for, for importing of wine and exporting of whiskey. Um, so it was. It would have been really busy, but it was also not the easiest place to live. Like later on, um, there's a lot of poverty here, slum housing. Um, so it would have been a, a difficult and hard place to, to, yeah. to live. Um, and I guess that's where the motto we, we've noticed it several times as we walked around. You know, persevere is, is an appropriate motto. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe <laughs> some of that continues because it's, it's it's still a fairly mixed area. It is. Area. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's just becoming more gentrified. I have to say, it's yeah. very different now to, to perhaps what it was in the like right up until the 80s. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a hard place to live. And, and I, I, talking to people who lived here during that time, there was it was a lot of hard graft. For very little return in some areas, but um, um, yeah, it would have been really, really busy um, as a port. Yeah, but it, was, but, but it was like every aspect of the mm. whiskey trade was going on here, from uh, you know, from the, the green offices, stores, from the yeah. green stores, the, the, coopering, the distilleries yeah. themselves, mm -hmm. the bottling, the blending, yeah, um, and, and I guess the marketing as well to a certain extent. So yeah, it was all really happening here. Yeah. Um, and you can see some of the, the evidence of that marketing, I suppose, yeah. in, the, in the edifices of the buildings uh -huh. and some of the, yes, the architecture yeah. and, yeah. and those, those details which, you know, again, you would walk past and maybe mm -hmm. not even notice, but mm -hmm. uh, once you see them, it's quite remarkable mm -hmm. how much there is that, uh, that, that says whiskey to you. Yeah, yeah. I think if you know what you're looking for, then, yeah, obviously... Um, the stonework on the buildings you're talking about, you said the architecture, is absolutely fascinating, but I think people are oblivious because they're always in a hurry, they get from A to B, and they don't look around. And, um, and I think if you're a tourist, if you visit the area, you're probably more likely to be looking around, but when you live here and you're just going about your day-to-day you know, -day business, you tend to you know, become immune to it almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you, you usually serve up some old blends uh, mm. as part of the tour, which are related to some of the buildings or offices or well, locations exactly. that you've been around. Yeah. So the tour route will change each time depending on the bottles that I can source. Now, there are some bottles that are easier to source some brand names, that are, so, so those aspects are usually on the route at all times, but then there are slight deviations depending on, on, on the bottles, waiting for everybody um, in the pub at the end. Um, so yeah, I mean, things like VAT 69, obviously we walked along uh, Maritime Street, um, but if I can't find all bottles of VAT 69 from Leith, then the tour will take us somewhere else. So, so it's quite nice because you see the, um, the buildings and then talk about the history of that particular company and then you can go and taste the whiskey that yeah. was linked to them. Nice little taste yeah, of history yeah. as well. <laughs> oh, we mean, yeah. And, and who have you been getting coming along on the tours? Is it... Uh, mm. 
locals, uh, more, mixture, more international tourists? So when it first launched um, this time last year, it coincided with the Leith Festival. And I'd say the vast majority of people who came on the tours then were either locals or people who were born and grew up in Leith, moved away, but then came back. They were, they were interested in taking that little trip down memory lane. Um, but then during this, the rest of the season, I'd say, um, a lot of tourists who are visiting, but from from all walks of life, all different nationalities, um, all different knowledge levels of knowledge of whiskey. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll say a, a bit of a mixed bag. Really. Yeah, <laughs> and as you said earlier, the, you know there seems to be a growing appreciation or fascination with whiskey he yeah. heritage, whiskey mm -hmm. history. The whole nostalgia behind it is people are just fascinated by it and as I was saying not just uh, buying more bottles of whiskey and, and tasting what you know what they were like um, or are like um, but all of the things that are associated you know all the paraphernalia all the you know the accessories of books you know uh, yeah, marketing posters ex you know all of these things people are fascinated by um, yeah. so yeah it's huge at the moment yeah, yeah. and uh, you it's a bit of a change of career for you you, you, you were a teacher for a long time for many time. years yeah nearly 20 Years. You finally yeah, escaped. I did. <laughs> yeah, created my escape plan. I left teaching maybe September 2016, so it's a, it's a, it's a little while ago. Um, so yeah, very actually not so different. You're still kind of talking about something that yeah, you're, you're very educational. Yeah, but but, but, maybe, but it's a passion for you. Clearly. Yeah, I've got a willing audience. Yeah, yeah that's, that's that helps. <laughs> they want to be there. No, <laughs> so yeah, different. No, no discipline yeah. along the way. Well, I don't know. Sometimes you know, if somebody's had a few drams too many. There's a fine line between a, <laughs> a, a sort of truculent teenager and a, and a, and a tipsy adult. Yeah, yeah. The old instinct kicks yeah. in. There's transferable skills there, I think. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, it's lovely to see. Someone following their passion and uh, making a success of that. I guess, yeah. I mean, when I first started teaching, it was a great. I, I loved it. Yeah, it but the, the the job, the whole thing evolved into something that I wasn't too keen on to the end. So, I guess life's a bit too short to just be, you know, plodding along doing something that you don't actually enjoy. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's why I decided to. To, to, to change tax, so to speak. Well, well, <laughs> used to whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> I always say, I say at tastings, I say on the tours that actually since I left teaching, I probably drink a lot less whiskey than uh, than I did before. So. But enjoy it more. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, thanks, Justine. <laughs> Always. From Whiskey History in Leith, we head north to find out more about the whiskey history of Tomatin Distillery, just off the A9 and a stone's throw from the boundary of the Speyside region. It's a fascinating rabbit warren of a distillery, which has been through its ups and downs since it opened in 1897. I asked Tomatin's distillery manager, Graham Yunson, what makes it a special place to visit for whiskey fans. I think it's the fact that at one time it was so big. That, that's why it, it is so much, it's evolved into what it was. It's never been designed properly. You wouldn't build a distillery like this from scratch. Um, but because of that, when the visitors come, I would say they get a more sort of honest view of what a distillery is. It's, it's not all about looks, it's about how the distillery actually operates and the quality of the whisky that it makes. So, yeah, we, we've been big. Um, we're now doing a sixth of what we used to be capable of doing as far as production levels goes. So it's all changed from being all about quantity to all about being quality now. Uh, and that, that keeps it interesting because we can actually get to play at different, different casks, different malts, different everything, uh, and see what effect it has. Sometimes it works, sometimes it works even better. 
But as you said, you've got a chance to experiment. You've got you know pr pretty much free reign to, to try different things, and it's also yeah. a lot of manual working in the distillery, so you, you can you can really play around quite a lot. Yeah, I mean we've got computers in the mash house, computers in the still house, but they are more remote control rather than computer control. So the, the guys actually working in the various departments have to input the instructions to get the computer to do it. It's a, um, that gives us a lot more freedom. The fact we're a small company, just the one distillery here, um, and our owners, our shareholders, don't tell us what to do as far as making whiskey is concerned, and they leave us to get on with it. Now, we've got a lot of experience in all the staff on site here. So that means that, yeah, we know how to make whiskey, but it does leave us that option to actually play around try and get different characteristics into the final product, whether it be with cask management or with different temperatures, times and everything in the distillery itself. So yeah, it's, it's like having a big toolkit, a big toy kit to play around with. And Tomatin's profile has really grown over the past 10 years, I mean, from you know, basically not being, not being on, the, on the shelves at all as a single malt yeah. to really being, being very visible around the world. Yeah, I mean, if you go back to the, the 70s, 80s, even into the 90s, Tomatin was used as a, a malt um, in everyone else's blends. Um, we've moved completely away from that in that we, we want to be masters of our own destiny. So it's all about the single malt now. Um, and that strategy, I would say, has been very successful for us. Um, last year in the, the USA, um, we were the fastest growing single malt Scotch whiskey in the top 10. Uh, we're actually growing at about 27% year on year which is a phenomenal, we can't keep up with that, to be honest, because yeah. the stocks would run out. Um, but we also set at number six in Japan. So we've, we've come from a very small base in the last sort of 10, 15 years to being a, a reasonable sized player in the market. Export to, I think it's 56 different countries worldwide now. Um, so we're, we're making inroads into lots of new markets as well. So it's an exciting time actually here at the distillery. Sounds like it. Yeah. And in terms of tourism as well, it seems to be going very well. You're, you're tucked off just off the A9, yeah. uh, heading north to Inverness, just on the other side of the Speyside boundary, but you get a lot of traffic coming past. We do, yeah. I mean, Inverness is only 15, 20 minutes away. Um, so we're, we're not as remote as we seem. Sometimes in the winter it can seem very remote, but in reality we're not that far away from Inverness itself. Um, we are just off the side of the A9, but I mean, despite that, I came here just only eight years ago when we were getting about 17,000 visitors coming through in the course of a year. Um, 2017, um, we had 49,500 visitors. Um, so whisky tourism has taken off big time in Scotland, but because we're reasonably easy to get to here, um, and because the brand's growing and such like, our visitor numbers have been rocketing ahead of most. Um, again, from a relatively small base, um, to, to get into big numbers now. And in reality, in the middle of summer, we can't really cope with that much more because the distillery is not laid out for tourism, it's laid out for making whiskey. So we, we have challenges there, which is the physical layout. But, and by your own admission, it might not be the most scenic distillery, but you know we've seen ourselves that if visitors can really get a different kind of view of, of how yeah. whiskey is made. You know, you've got a mash tun that's open up. That's right. Uh, yeah. that you can walk inside it yeah. and you know see the blades in there. And you know, you've you've gone to a, a real effort, I think, to, yeah, I to mean, give visitors a different experience. That's right. Yeah. The, the, the surroundings here are beautiful. We're in the top of the Mona Lea Mountains. You know, it's stunning scenery. But the buildings themselves, I would say, probably at best industrial chic would be a description for them. Um, but when you go a walk around inside, we, we do, because we were so big and some of the equipment's no longer in use, 
we've actually opened some of that up to allow the tourists, the visitors, our guests on site to actually have a look inside. And it's far easier to explain how things operate if you can actually see inside them. And that's something we want to continue. So we may not be the most aesthetically beautiful distillery on the planet, but we could try and be the most educational one if we can. Um, and people do actually seem to, to enjoy that side of it because, it is, as I said earlier, it's quite an honest place to visit. We're not trying to be something we're not. We're just here to make good whiskey. And what can you tell us about any future plans for Tomatin? Um, good question. I'm trying to think what I can tell you without actually having to kill you. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, we, we've got lots of experiments ongoing um, all the time. Um, we've got quite a small team um, our sales and marketing team and myself and the production unit and all that. We have regular conversations about what we'd like to try and do. We'll then try and source the, the raw materials to allow us to do that. So there's a lot of interesting things coming out. We're also blessed, I would say, with some fantastic old whiskies. You know, we had a 50-year-old launch just last year. Um, it sold out, the, the one in the visitor centre here sold within two days. You know, that was £10,000 a bottle. Um, but some of the old whiskies here are absolutely phenomenal. You know, it's, it's one of the things I always look at it as being sort of a custodian of the distillery. You know, we're, we're passing through. The distillery will be here a long while before I was born and will be here a long while after I'm dead and gone. Um, so all we can do is look after it the best we can um, as far as that your plant goes, but also the brand itself. So we'll do a bit of experimenting, we'll have some fun, we'll come out with some creative ideas as far as the whiskies goes and hopefully not only will I have good fun doing that, but the consumers at the end of the day will have good fun actually tasting it and nosing it and trying it. I'm sure they will. Thanks very much, Graham. Thank you. Last stop on this whisky tour was across the regional boundary from Tomatin to Tamdu Distillery. It's tucked away right next to the River Spey and is even home to its own railway station, although it hasn't seen a train pass through since the middle of the 1960s. Distillery manager Sandy McIntyre led a wonderful tour of Tamdu before I caught up for a chat in the distillery's Dunnage warehouse. It's been really quite eye-opening from my point of view, Sandy, because this place seems to have come back to life. It wasn't that long ago, you know, it was mothballed. It looked like the end of the line for Tamdu. And now here we are, uh, not that many years later, and the place is really thriving. It's been quite a turnaround in fortunes. It's been fantastic uh, in, in terms of the fact that there's been significant investment in the site. Uh, in building the brand. I mean, I see where we are as a, as a brand, as Tom do. We're just starting uh, to pick up. If we can get liquid on lips, you know what, that will really be the turning point for us. We've got fantastic quality product um, and the investment that we're making in the site is all for the future uh, and all the right things that we're spending money on as well. Yeah, and uh, obviously that focus on the, the Spanish heritage, the, the, the authenticity of what you're doing with the Spanish casks, that's at the heart of the brand? Very much so. I mean, everything Tamdu Single Malt is matured in a sherry cask from day one, right through to the, the day it's taken out of the cask. It's all natural colour. I'm a firm believer, and, and I can understand there's reasons behind why people are, are putting caramel into to liquid. I completely understand it, but I'm a firm believer as an industry, we should be completely open with all these things. We've got nothing to hide. Um, we've got fantastic relationships. We're a family company. We've built up fantastic relationships with other family companies in terms of our suppliers from Perez for, for our casks. And that's part of our business as well, is building relationships. It, it, it's not necessarily always about making a, a, a pound. Um, it, it's about 
enjoying what we do and building those relationships for the future. Um, because that's what, what all I am at the moment is a custodian of, of lots of fantastic whiskey for lots of folk to enjoy over hopefully lots of years to come yet. Um, so I, you know, can see we're in a great privileged position at the moment. Yeah, and as a family company, you, you also said you've got some freedom to invest where necessary. And we've seen that today also with the developments, new warehousing. You've got a Cooper who's just started in, in, in your own on-site cooperage as well. So that must make a big difference as well. It, it is. That, that's, that's one of the things we're particularly proud of in this, the last 12 months. I mean, building warehouses, it's been a continual piece of work that we've been doing since we, we took over the site here at Tamdu since 2013 invested in, in, in now close to 15 warehouses with another eight coming in the next 12 months. But the actual piece with the cooperage is one of the really nice, different things. It, it's not something, again, all about cash pound notes. It's about us continuing some of the heritage as well. We had a cooperage here, or Tamdu had a cooperage here a number of years ago. So we're, we're only going back to that again. We're using the equipment, we're doing that in-house. And it's fantastic to see where that's come from in such a short period of time. And, you know, it's maybe not the easiest site to get around in terms of visitors coming through, but you do have plans to kind of open it up, maybe? Uh, never. It's one of those things, never say never, let's face it. You know, I, I would hate to, to put the full stop at the end and say, no, we will never have visitors. At the moment, it's not our intention to have a visitor centre. We are looking towards perhaps setting up something, and we've been talking about it now for two years, uh, around maybe having some VIP tours. Uh, that'll be very, very limited, um, perhaps maybe limited to maybe 100 people per year. So it's not ever going to be a, a, an open door here at Tamdu. It, it's, we don't have vast quantities of spirit. It's, it's always a wee bit about exclusivity as well. Um, people, people want the things they can't get. People want to then visit a site that they can get into. It makes it extremely popular at times during the Speyside Whiskey Festival. So our tickets sell out in, in a matter of minutes. Um, and we take great pride in, in the site, even though it's not a site that's open to visitors. I hope you've seen today. We love it. Uh, we, we, we love branding. Uh, the, the guys keep the place tidy. It's, it's not about, well, we don't have visitors, who cares? Um, we, we try and keep the place to a standard that if somebody does come in, they, they see it at its best. And, I, you know, the guys are, love the place and are proud of it. Well, the, the enthusiasm comes across very clearly. You know, you've got your names and your shirts and the, the, the company branding is everywhere you look. And there is that sense of fun. Your nicknames are up on the wall. Yeah. And you also said that, you know, quite a, quite a number of the, the houses are uh, occupied by distillery workers. So there is that real family uh, feel. Very much so, very much so. I mean, we, we've got fathers and sons. We've got um, father-in-laws, son-in-laws, nephews, etc., all working here. Um, my predecessor, Sandy Coots, one of his nephews, is one of our operators. We're managing to recruit staff from some of the bigger companies that want to come away and join in the, the atmosphere that we've got here at Tamdu. Um, we had our, pretty much all of the, the squad here from Tamdu out to Jerez uh, with their partners, actually. And it was the staff that paid for that. It wasn't actually the company that paid for that trip to Jerez for our team. The guys wanted to go and do that, wanted to see, you know, I've been a couple of times, come back and you're extolling the virtues of fantastic sunshine, fantastic sherry, fantastic hospitality. Um, we went out to Jerez and played the, the Coopers out in Jerez at football in March. Had a whale of a time and the guys are already talking about, can we go again? Um, and to have that kind of atmosphere amongst the team, it makes my life particularly easy as a manager because the guys are all enthused about being here anyway. It's not about, oh, I've got to go to work again. 
and the fact that some of us stay on site just again makes it better still. So there's there's seven of us on site, and my my house is at the other end of this warehouse that we're actually in. So you know what a fantastic area in terms of spay side. We've got the the spay right on our doorstep. We've got the whole wildlife. We've got beaches yeah, up in the, the Murray Coast. So you know couldn't hope for better. Thanks to Sandy, Graham and Justine for taking the time to share their passion and stories with Whiskey Talk. And a reminder that if you're a member of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, you can read much more from all three in the latest issue of our exclusive members magazine, Unfiltered. We'll be back soon with more whiskey stories, but in the meantime, you can always get in touch by email at unfiltered at smws.com. Until the next time on Whiskey Talk, Cheers.